Welcome to our session, forthcoming AI regulation and policies in the EU, UK and the Middle East. My name is Christopher Goetz. I'm a digital business partner in the Munich office of Simmons and Simmons. I'm joined in the session by my fabulous colleagues, Minish Tanner, who's based in our London office, and Nina Fischer, who's based in our Dubai office. Please ask any questions that you might have using the Q&A function. If we have time at the very end of the session, we will be more than happy to answer your questions or we'll follow up separately. Let's begin with a look at forthcoming AI regulation from an EU perspective. As we saw in the previous presentations, also by Rasmus and Nicole, the market for AI is huge. Zooming in on Germany, the new coalition intends to further strengthen investments in AI measurably in the years to come. While there is obviously quite some excitement about AI and also the political will to strengthen investments in AI, there is consensus in the EU that AI needs regulation. The EU Commission therefore published a proposal for an AI regulation in April 2022-21, the AI Act, which is currently being discussed by various institutions. We expect an updated proposal, in fact, in the next couple of weeks. The AI Act in its current version defines AI systems in a broad way. It is by no means limited to deep learning or machine learning, but more or less includes any other software that uses algorithms. The AI Act applies to providers of AI systems, to its distributors, importers, as well as its users, and has as such a broad scope. The AI Act distinguishes between four groups of AI systems. On the one hand, prohibited AI systems, such as social scoring systems by public authorities or systems that unconsciously manipulate the behavior of a person. Such systems may not be put on the market and may not be used in the EU. Otherwise, it is getting really expensive. Then we have high-risk AI systems. Such systems are, in fact, the centerpiece of the AI Act. They are defined as systems that have a significant harmful impact on health, safety, and fundamental rights of persons in the EU. Such systems include, amongst others, AI systems that are used for recruitment purposes or decision-making on employees, but also such that are used as component of medical devices or critical infrastructure, to name only a few. The AI Act, however, does not prohibit high-risk AI systems, but ties their use to rigid requirements, including the requirement to implement appropriate risk management systems for the entire life cycle of the system, ensuring that training, validation, and testing of data is subject to certain governance practices, as well as ensuring human oversight and cybersecurity, to name only a few requirements. While providers of high-risk AI systems are furthermore required to follow a conformity assessment procedure, it is worth highlighting that for most systems, a self-assessment will be deemed sufficient. Conformity with any harmonized standards shall be presumed to achieve compliance with these requirements. Non-compliance can be fined with up to 20 million euro or 4% of a company's annual worldwide turnover. As far as the data and data governance requirement is concerned, here highlighted red, fines can be even up to 30 million euro or 6% of the turnover. 
Furthermore, the AI Act deals with so-called minor risk AI systems. These are chatbots, emotion recognition systems, unless permitted by law, and AI systems that generate deep fakes. Deep fakes are realistic looking media content that has been altered and distorted by AI techniques. Whether such deep fake systems will indeed remain classified as minor risk in the final version of the AI Act has to be seen. While such AI systems might be very useful in arts, such systems may be quite harmful if they are used to create fake news, such as in this case, where a hacker group deepfaked President Zelensky in order to make the public believe that he declared Ukraine's surrender to Russia, what he obviously did not. In any case, to minor risk AI systems, only certain transparency and information obligations shall apply, but not the rigid requirements set out for high-risk systems. All other AI systems that do not fall into any of the aforementioned three groups are considered minimal risk and do not have to fulfill any specific requirements, but providers may voluntarily adhere to any code of conduct which the EU Commission encourages to put in place. Last but not least, it is worthwhile highlighting that the AI Act provides for a regulatory sandbox. However, it is subject to so many conditions that we only see a very limited use case for such sandbox. Since the sandbox furthermore does not provide for any limitations on liability, I doubt that the current concept is suited to promote innovation in the AI sector. Talking about liability, the EU Commission has launched last year in June an initiative that intends to adapt the current liability rules to the digital age. This initiative, which is currently subject to public consultation, aims to complement the AI Act. In the end, the initiative intends to make it easier to claim compensation for damages inflicted by AI systems. For example, by reversing the burden of proof, by introducing strict liability, or by extending the range of damages for which compensation can be sought, all of which would likely increase liability for providers, operators, and users of AI systems. It has to be watched closely how this initiative further develops. In my opinion, it should be avoided that this initiative changes the current liability regime in a way which could harm innovation in the AI sector. What else is on the horizon in the EU? To mention only two, the Data Act and the Data Governance Act, which aim to enhance data sharing in the market, will certainly impact the development and use of AI systems. For the good also. This will be discussed after the break in the Digital Health and Data Spaces session, so do not forget to tune in after the break. With this quick summary of forthcoming EU regulations, I pass now over to Minish, who will provide us with a UK perspective. Thank you, Christopher, and hello, everyone. I'm going to talk briefly about the UK position on AI regulation, and I will start with a slide which has a heading, the UK in a difficult position, question mark, and it won't surprise you to hear that we are asking that question a lot following the UK's controversial decision to leave the European Union. Now, post-Brexit, 
the UK will not formally be subject to the EU AI Act, which Christopher was discussing. But it is worth saying that companies and organizations in the UK may de facto follow the EU AI Act for a number of reasons. The first is that the EU will be a target market for AI developers based in the UK. And the EU AI Act is extraterritorial. It can apply outside of the EU. And so this may render these developers subject to the Act anyway. There is a close trading relationship between the UK and the EU. And so many organizations will have a subsidiary or parent company in the EU. And so this may de facto mean that their UK-based businesses will comply with the EU AI Act. And there is considerable debate in the AI community about whether the EU regulation will become a gold standard for AI regulation anyway, meaning that as a matter of best practice, organizations in the UK and indeed in other jurisdictions may follow the requirements of the AI Act in order to adhere to best practice. Now, the difficulty with the UK is that whilst it may de facto be subject to or follow the EU AI Act, the UK is trying to be a global leader in AI and to encourage investment and innovation. The UK published its national AI strategy just a few months ago, but this is an ongoing um, process and we expect further updates in the future. Now, on this slide, we see that the priority for the UK is very much to be an AI superpower and to encourage investment and innovation in AI. We see three pillars which form the UK's national AI strategy. And you will see in pillars one and two, in contrast to the EU, whose priority is to protect citizens from the harm that AI could cause and to improve AI governance, the UK is very much focused on the benefits that AI could bring. It's only in pillar three that we see reference to governing AI and the possibility of regulation. But even here, there is a tension. The UK wants to be a global leader in AI, and that means developing and using AI. It recognizes that there should be improved public trust in AI. But at the same time, it thinks that regulation could stifle innovation. And so we see this tension very clearly in the national AI strategy. The UK recognizes that in order to be responsible and increase trust in AI, there needs to be some governance around it, but it doesn't want that governance to go so far so as to potentially stifle innovation. And this is a tension at the heart of the UK's national AI strategy. So what is the answer to this in terms of AI regulation? Well, we're hoping to see some answers very soon. The UK government is planning to issue a white paper as the next stage in its national AI strategy in the next few months. Broadly speaking, the UK could go one of three ways. It could follow the US federal position. As you're probably aware, there is very little federal regulation governing AI in the US. There is some local level AI regulation, um, but very little on a federal level. So the UK could follow that very laissez-faire approach. In contrast, it could follow the EU's approach of total regulation, but for the reasons we just saw in terms of its strategy, we think that is unlikely. Then there is somewhere in the middle what we call soft law, which comprises principles, guidance, potentially non-binding instruments to encourage good and responsible AI use. And we see 
arrangements like that in jurisdictions like Singapore. But actually, I think we might see a slight divergence from the UK and perhaps a more creative way of governing and regulating AI. And here are three options which I think the UK may follow, either singularly, singularly or in combination. The first is sectoral AI legislation. Now, we saw from the EU AI Act, particularly the high-risk AI provisions, that even the EU recognises that AI systems are potentially more risky in certain domains and sectors than others. And the UK may very well follow that approach. So it will identify sectors in which it thinks AI use is particularly risky and seek to legislate in those sectors. Interestingly, we already in the UK have legislation relating to automated vehicles. And so we could see further such legislation in different sectors, for example, in the healthcare sector. The second possible direction is the certification of AI engineers and data scientists. Now, the UK, I think rightly so, has a wealth of AI talent in the form of very talented um, AI engineers and data scientists. And so what the UK could seek to do is combine that expertise with some certification regime. So requiring those involved in the development or deployment of AI systems to have some sort of qualification or certification. Finally, there is the question of AI standards. And we've already seen the big standards organizations, for example, the IEEE and the ISO, start to produce standards relating to AI. And there is actually currently a debate in the EU about how those standards interplay with the EU AI Act. So the UK could take the option of merely relying on those standards, possibly even introducing its own standards, and requiring some form of self-audit or third-party audit obligations on those who are developing or deploying AI. So it very much focus on technical standards, ensuring that AI systems match uh, requirements in terms of how they are expected to operate, rather than regulating at a higher level more holistically and focus really on those technical standards and ensure that those using AI are adhering to those standards. So I think we will get more clarity on this in the next few months once we see the white paper, but I wouldn't be surprised if the UK diverges from the EU in requiring general or total regulation of AI, and actually we see a combination of one or more uh, of these directions on the screen. And on that note, I'll hand over to Nina to discuss the position in the UAE. Thanks a lot, Manesh. And hello, everyone. Um, so we've heard now a lot on recent trends in AI, both in the EU and the UK. So let's now look a little bit further east. Um, I, yes, and we're looking towards the UAE position. One second, here we go. So it is fair to say that AI in the UAE is a very high priority. And the national strategy for AI um, for 2031 is a vision to make the UAE a leading nation in AI globally. In order to do so, you can see here in the um, pyramid, uh, eight strategic objectives have been identified and will be pursued. So the ultimate being uh, achieving this global leadership. And in order to do so, uh, a brand has actually been established, quite a catchy one, the UAI brand. And uh, it is intended that it will come together with a UAI seal of approval, which 
companies will obtain, which are active in the ecosystem here, subject to the regulatory oversight, the frameworks, in order to um, have a stamp of quality that is internationally recognized. As you can see, the layer below that is, is the three active ways in which uh, this leadership will, will be pursued, one of which is initially focusing on priority sectors. These are built on sectors in which the UAE has been leading already and there is ex existing expertise, and we'll look at these on the, on the next slide in a bit more detail. Secondly, the aim is to, to create a whole ecosystem for AI. Two aspects to that. One is to create a network for AI of leading researchers, industry experts, and also funding will be provided to develop the industry. And also the intention is to have an applied AI accelerator in order to home grow startups here as well. And finally, the UAE has always been uh, leading in terms of smart government and enhancing the user experience and, and government interactions and really driving that further with AI applications um, enabling these sort of uh, use cases is, is also a priority. As you can see below the foundation, it's uh, probably unsurprising that these things have to be in place as well. Talent, sourcing it both locally and um, externally, research uh, and a framework where uh, data can be evaluated and uh, you can become a test bed really for, for data locally, as well as strong government and effective regulation, which is, I guess, where us lawyers come in. So looking further now then at what are the focus sectors? So traditionally, the UAE has been strong in, as everyone knows, resources and energy. Um, so extraction industry having been a, a traditional sector, now uh, renewable energy and utilities are a core focus sector in the development of AI. Uh, logistics and transport as well, AI use cases are developed there uh, in order to um, make transport safer, more efficient, building on the UAE being a, a long-standing air and sea hub for a long time, and tourism and hospitality. But also, as you can see here, um, other, other new topics like space, environment, and health and, and education are also key. So let's look a little bit now at how... Here we go, how AI regulation has actually developed so far. So traditionally, and this is one of the options that Manesh has also identified um, for the UAE to, uh, for the UK to go down, is sectoral regulation. This is what has happened in the UAE so far. So traditionally, AI regulation has developed along sector lines, in particular in sectors which have already been regulated. So, and we'll look at two of these as examples uh, shortly. One is the financial services sector, one's the healthcare sector, which are both also focus sectors for Simmons. So it might be interesting to, to have a, a bit of a deeper look there. But also another thing to keep in mind, AI use cases are often coupled with other emerging technologies, such as cloud computing, internet, um, internet of things solutions. So if any of your use cases involve any of these supporting regulations, it might also be useful to, to see whether there are any very specific uh, regulations on the sector which, which touch on AI, because as you can see, there are already some, some examples out there. So now just very quickly, looking at um, the financial institution sector. So there has been uh, guidelines published together by the four financial services regulators in the UAE, the Central Bank, the Securities and Commodities Authority, as well as the two financial services regulators in the two financial free zones. And um, these essentially require the design of any AI application to be transparent, to be reliable and to be explainable. 
These concepts have to be applied in a proportionate manner, applying a materiality assessment, um, which is probably a key consideration in many um, many issues touching on AI. You have to identify the purpose of the AI application and its role in the decision-making process of the institution. You have to identify the risk profile and also both the likelihood and any impact of a disruption. And then you have to weigh this against these three um, three factors of um, reliability, transparency, and technical clarity. And just finally, another example in a very different regulated industry, the healthcare industry, um, the Department of Health in Abu Dhabi, and actually also a parallel um, policy has gone out by the Department of Health in Dubai, but let's look at Abu Dhabi as, a, as an example. What you can see is probably two things to take back from here is broad range of application, so um, it is not only traditional sort of tech and AI service providers, but as you can see, a, a whole range of, of different service providers. And secondly, if you look at the focus areas, they are both, you can both see that they draw from uh, the same focus areas in other industries, transparency and accountability we've seen already in financial services, but some are also industry specific, such as ethics and safety and security um, to ensure health and, and safety of, of individuals, very health specific. And with that, I'll uh, wrap up and um, open up to any questions. Um, since we have uh, run over time a bit, um, unfortunately, we do not have time for any questions anymore. If there are any questions, please feel free to drop them into the Q&A box also during um, the next sessions. And um, we are more than happy to take uh, them with us and get back to you as soon as possible. Um, uh, we have now a lunch break. Um, please use the break to take part in our virtual art tour or indulge in some meditation and just click the take a break tab. Uh, but of course, you have also the possibility to check out our solutions using the solutions tab. Right after the break, we will have a session on digital health and data spaces where we have Nick Schneider with us um, from the German Federal Ministry of Health, who will discuss um, data sharing, sharing of health data um, in the context of the new regulation on the European health data space. The proposal was just published um, two days ago. We will have Professor Rad Bruch of the University Bonn, who will give us examples on the use of big data and AI in the medical field. And uh, our colleagues of Simmons and Simmons will provide you with a deep dive legal session on the Data Act and the Data Governance Act. So stay tuned and see you later. Thank you. Bye.